again, we are here to talk about some infectious disease pearls like we try to do every every uh, episode. We have noticed that the board review outline has a large amount of content based on specific viruses. So each of these specific viruses require quite a lot of things that you know about them. So our goal is to kind of go through each one of these over the next couple of episodes so that you can feel more comfortable comfortable about them and know what you're going to see on the boards. Yep, we're going to start it off with uh, EBV, CMV, and the enteroviruses. Like Ashley said, probably over the next couple episodes of the ID Talks, we'll try and break down all of the viruses that you need to know for the boards. So let's get started with CMV, cytomegalovirus. It sounds sounds like really important, don't you think? I think it is pretty important. It's one of those that you see all over the place, and I have had plenty of questions across the board that have been related to CMV, so... I think the important for us, what we I kind of try and do is break it into three kind of life stages, which is not the right word, but I, I don't care. So the first one is it can be acquired congenitally, so that's your torch infection, and then it can be acquired kind of in your normal kiddo, um, and they don't get as sick with it, but it has some specific things that we'll talk about. And then you can get it in your immunocompromised patient, and it causes different things at each kind of life cycle, if you will. Yeah, so for neonatal CMV, that's the one that you're probably going to see the majority of questions on. You kind of can think of five C's that are going to help you remember the things that are associated with neonatal CMV. So you have chorioretinitis, cerebral manifestations, calcifications, specifically periventricular. So that's why these kids that are microcephalic, you get a head ultrasound on, you're looking for periventricular calcifications that could clue you in that this might be neonatal CMV. Um, It's diagnosed with a urine culture, right? That's the other C. Another C. Yep, yep. This one's a little bit of a stretch. It is, but we'll go with it. Yeah. Sense, I can never say it, sensor, sensor neural, can you say it? Because I can't say it. The C is throwing me off. Sensory neural hearing loss. Yeah, and then the sensory part is spelled with a C. It's 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 soft, but we're going to go with it. So just put all those Cs back together. Chorioretinitis, cerebral manifestations, calcifications, urine culture for diagnosis, and sensory neural, he- sensory neural hearing loss. See, it's hard. hard it's hard. Yeah. Um, some other things about it. We, just, we already talked about the microcephaly that we see in little babies. Um, that are born with this. They can have hepatosplenomegaly. They can be abnormally jaundiced. They can have seizures. This is also one of the blueberry muffin rashes. So that's a little buzzword for you. Blueberry muffin rash, CMV. And the other one is rubella. So blueberry muffin rash, CMV, rubella. Look at that. We're covering stuff we're not even covering. It's amazing. You're you're welcome. So like we talked about, this is... uh, a virus that can be spread vertically from mom to baby while uh, she's pregnant. It can also be spread to a very young infant from direct person-to-person contact through secretions that contain the virus. So if they, maybe they didn't get it in utero, but they got it really short, shortly after birth and they can kind of get the same kind of illness. And then as they get older, they can get uh, illness, again, from direct, direct person-to-person contact. They also, this is one of those things that can be transmitted via transfusions, which we'll talk about in a second, and transplantations. I personally had a transplant just recently uh, who had a liver from a CMV positive donor, so they just kind of keep track of CMV in all your transplant patients. 
And I actually had a baby um, on the hospital service that was neonatal CMV transmitted during uh, delivery gestation. Gestation. So a vertical. 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 That's the fancy word for it. So for acquired CMV, it looks a lot like mono. Um, I know most of the time when we hear mono, we think EBV. But you may be presented with a question, somebody with a prolonged fever and maybe a little bit of mild hepatitis and kind of a mono picture. If EBV is not a choice, CMV is a good backup choice for that answer there. How do you diagnose it out of the neonatal? Right, so we talked about the urine CMV in our neonates um, for acquired CMV. You're looking for an antibody titer increase, specifically a fourfold antibody titer increase um, in a serum specimen. So like we talked about earlier, CMV is important virus for immunocompromised patients, and that includes our oncology uh, patients, our transplanted patients. CMV is something that we watch for. They can, it can cause, obviously, all those kinds of symptoms, but worse in an immunocompromised patient. And it's important to think about, I think, a little bit more in those patients so that we can treat them. Yeah, and don't, don't forget about your immunosuppressed patients from um, you know, other medications that can be on and then HIV as well. Good thought, like prednisone, all those are Crohn's patients who have Humira and all these kind of immune modulators. So think about it can always put you at risk. And then treatment for CMV uh, across the board, regardless of what, uh, how they acquired it, if it's neonatal or later in life, you're going to use either gancyclovir or valgancyclovir. Uh, side effects, just a little extra tidbit for you. Side effect is bone marrow suppression. All right. Well, I would like to not get CMV is what I've just learned. Definitely no CMV. So next up, EBV, which is Epstein-Barr virus. I'm sure everyone listening knows that, but just in case. So this one, we all know and love mono. It's classic mono syndrome. So fatigue, tonsillitis, high fevers, big lymph nodes. They can have hepatosplenal megaly. It's important to watch for that. We all know for playing contact sports. Um, This one hopefully is not too much of a stretch for anyone. It's a fairly uh, common thing we see. And we should know how to recognize it on boards. Yep. And so we talked about the tonsillitis. And this is one of those that you can get exudates. So everybody's probably done this before where they're like, oh, this is definitely strep throat. Here's your amoxicillin. They come back in the next day covered in this maculopapular rash. Guess what? It's actually EBV. It was mono. You didn't need to treat the strep. Shocking. You probably don't need to treat the strep anyway. that's for another day, right? (laughs) That's for another day. On the board, treat the strep. So interestingly, um, while we were reading up, getting prepared for this one, we learned that EBV infections in immunocompromised hosts can actually turn into lymphoma. So, I mean, like every virus in an immunocompromised person, it's going to be worse. But this one actually can be much worse. Yeah, that sounds... I mean, lymphoma is, is not good. So that sucks. It does suck. Is there anything we do to treat them? Well, for the most part, we're not going to do anything. Uh, It's just going to be symptomatic care, supportive treatment. But if you have some airway compromise from that big old tonsillitis or you have some thrombocytopenia associated with it, you can give steroids to these kids. Like everything. Steroids fixes it right up. Steroids fix everything. Now, I will say EBV, we've probably all had it. I'm sure we all have had it. And so the question always becomes, is this EBV? Is this new EBV? Is this old EMV? EBV. So 
the way you find out is you do a serology for antibodies and you look for an IgM antibody for EBV. And the way I remember it, the way I learned for step one a long time ago, is the IgM antibody comes up in a minute. So M for minute. So that's the first antibody that comes up when you get sick with something. So IgM will be elevated uh, compared to your IgG if it's an acute EBV infection. Now we're going to talk about a group, like a family of viruses, the enteroviruses. Which ones are included in these? So we're going to be looking for Coxsackie virus. Echovirus. Echovirus. The numbered enteroviruses, so like the D68 that happened a couple years ago that was causing bad seizures in kids. And then... Poliovirus. Now, I did not know that that was an enterovirus. I learned this today. But it kind of makes sense because it's intero. Polio is... Uh, spread through feces. That's how this whole thing started. We started cleaning our water. See, kids, this is why we do this. Learning. Learning. Yep, it's true. So let's talk first about, I think, what we all know, Coxsackie virus. So it's going to, you're going to have a kid, typically in the summertime, it's going to come in high fever, rash, and maybe look like meningitis. And it does cause a viral meningitis, so it fits Coxsackie virus. Yeah, and most of the enteroviruses are known for causing kind of a viral meningitis picture in the summertime. So if you're given that kind of clinical vignette, think enterovirus of and some sort. Just a little test-taking test tip. Just remember to pay attention when they give you this, the season, that usually will clue you into what they're asking for. Yeah, they did it for a reason. Exactly. What else can Coxsackie virus cause? I think there's something else I remember. Myocarditis goes after your heart. Oh, that's sad. It is kind of sad. But then, you know, if you remember, um, I don't know, there's about 14 million kids who come in with hand, foot, and mouth, like in the summer. That's kind of how I remember it. It's in the summer because they all just show up. They're not even in school and they're getting sick. That's Coxsackie virus too. So then let's talk about polio. So... Polio is spread intro through feces. Um, it causes a, a skeletal muscle paralysis. Uh, this is why we put them in iron lungs, because it, their diaphragms would stop working. Fun fact. So, do you know where the uh, poliovirus likes to hang out? Wait for it. Mm, anterior horn. Anterior horn. That's like a step one question, but it's pretty interesting. That's why you get muscle paralysis, because it's in the anterior horn. Yep. And you never know when this stuff will come back up, so... You never know. If you're on wards with me, I'm going to ask you. So that's when it will come back up. All right. And then just for enteroviruses, um, looking for it, I think you can probably do this with the majority of them. When you're trying to diagnose it, you can do PCR. PCR is the diagnostic way. And also, like most of these viruses, there is no treatment, but poliovirus... Stay tuned. Ashley's going to talk to you in Cootie Shots this month about polio. That one is vaccine preventable. Unless you're a Jenny McCarthy kid. Another separate talk. Yeah, again. Too much to cover today. All right. Well, good news. We covered three out of 25 viruses that the boards want us to know. I'm not, like, super good at math, David, but, like, three out of 25, uh, it's not good. Yeah, it's not passing. I mean, it's, you're right. It's not passing. So... Make sure you come back to next month's episode, uh, A and D Do ID, because we're going to cover some more viruses. We'll try and knock out a bigger section next time. We will try. But we're also not going to tell you which ones. This is all suspense. This is, we're building suspense for our listeners. 